Hello and welcome to the Becoming Podcast. I am your host, Anne Fancy, and I'm excited that you're here and listening. The intention and the inspiration behind this podcast is simply to continue conversations that I've had on the map with students over the years, conversations of growth and evolution, of peeling back the layers of conditioning, and really learning to listen, look, hear, and become more aware of our own innate gifts, stories, talents, and really the highs, the lows, the in-betweens that led us on this path that we now are walking. So I hope you choose to listen and subscribe as we continue conversations both with inspiring humans and also just with me chatting with you. I so appreciate you taking the time today to listen and look forward to future talks. This is officially episode nine, and you are going to absolutely love listening to everything Brenda Freeman has to say. She does some fascinating work. You might feel a little uncomfortable, as I did from moment to moment, but I will tell you what, she is on mission, she is fascinating, and she's doing some really, really incredible stuff. Can't wait to hear your feedback. All right, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Podcast. I have somebody very exciting today with you. Um, We met through a friend, and we don't know each other, so this should be really exciting. Her name is Brenda Freeman, correct? I should have checked that before I said that. And um, she is uh, she's got some interesting jobs, and I think you're going to love listening to what she does and how she got here. So um, tell us a little bit. Hi, Brenda. Welcome, and tell us a little bit about what you do and. Uh, and then we'll go from there. All right, perfect. Um, thank you, Anne, for having me. So my name is Brenda. I am a Pilates teacher at this point, first and foremost. So Pilates is my main business. I do everything from group classes, private sessions, like group t- uh, Pilates teacher training. And then I'm also a somatic sex educator, mm-hmm. which means connecting people to their bodies as sexual beings mm-hmm. and then owning that aspect. And so bringing that into all aspects of our life because all creative energy is sexual energy and all sexual energy is creative energy and yeah. foster that. Okay. And it was through my Pilates teaching that took me into my somatic sex body work. Okay. That I will also incorporate in. I recently had a Pilates pussy workshop. I heard this. This is what I mentioned in class today in <laughs> yoga. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So connecting people into their pelvic floor. Yeah. Because so often we want to talk about it as just this like band of muscles mm-hmm. without recognizing that's the source of our like sexual organs. Yeah. And so then that aspect is missed of like, okay, here's where our muscle insertions and origins are. But now also let's talk about how that enhances or can take away from pleasure. Interesting. So all of those aspects, especially then as women, we men have pelvic pelvic floors too. But my main purpose and my main goal is working with women. Okay. Awesome. So I guess we'll start at the easy place. So why Pilates? We were just discussing, you know, college degrees and how uh, random they are in comparative to where we are now. But so tell us, like, how'd you get, how'd you get here? Um, So Pilates, uh, 18 years ago, I had a C-section. It was actually a very traumatic birth. Mm -hmm. Had to have pretty much an emergency C-section. And I was always athletic before that. And yeah. someone had bought me an after baby gift of like a Pilates mat and a DVD and said, do this. I heard it's good for a core strength. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And so I did it. I was like, this is stupid. It's so hard. I don't understand. But then like most things in my life, if I don't understand it, then I'm like, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it good. Yeah. And then three years later, after my second son was born, via VBAC, which is super exciting. Yeah. And from there, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I want to teach this method of movement. I love it. And I've been teaching for 15 years. I fall in love with it. Do you think the video and the DVD, um, obviously, like I think of like those seeds that were planted or the breadcrumb that led you here, like who knew that woman handing you that gift would like un- unlock this whole right. life for you? Do you think that even just that alone helped you re- achieve VBAC? And those who don't know what VBAC is, go ahead. It's a vaginal birth after cesarean. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Because then I had never felt as strong in my body. So I played sports before that. I yeah. Played sports all through like high school, was super active in college. Mm-hmm. Outdoor rec was one of my original, original majors. Yeah. <laughs> Central is good for those <laughs> kind of exactly, random majors. Exactly yeah. Things. Um, and then a year after my C section, I felt more, I felt stronger in my body and more connected. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there's something to this system of movement. Okay. But 18 years ago, Pilates studios weren't around. Right. So the only, except in major cities Mm -hmm. and living in Michigan, there weren't any here. So I just kept on with like my little DVD and then doing my little work. And so when I went in to have with my second son and I wanted to have a VBAC there, I had to fire the first doctor because he's like, well, no, we don't do that. And I was like, well, yes, Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Here's my body. Like, I don't want to be cut open if I don't have to be. Right. And so then we had to sign all this scary paperwork. Gosh, how old were you? I was 25. Wow. I don't know that most 25-year-olds would be able to advocate for themselves like that. I mean, right? I came in with, like, my birth plan. I was like, no, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And so everything, it was so interesting being in the medical world is that they were using all of this Mm fear-based, like, trying to make me, trying to have me make a fear-based decision. Yeah. Like, no. So even, like, during my birth, as they're like, well, if this happens, and I was like, everything is going to be fine. Yeah. Like, when I'm in, like, the birth process. Yeah. Giving birth the second time. Wow. And afterwards, they're like, wow, like, that was amazing. I'm like, thank you. I knew my body could do it. Isn't that fascinating? I just like to always go, like, okay, like, you created this unknown ripple effect, probably, where they where they at least were, were able to open their minds a little bit more, that people with certain mental constitutions could achieve this, you know, and that you were so fixed and certain. I think, like, that's so powerful to be able to stand in that power at 25 years old and fight the medical system, which is, we love you doctors, and I believe in Western medicine as much as I believe in Eastern medicine, Um, but to be able to stand in your power and say, listen, I'm dedicated to this, I'm at least going to fucking try, and and you have to, I need your support or get out. I mean, there probably weren't a lot of midwives, certainly not in the medical world, and were you, did you feel at least a little bit of concern, like, I should at least be in the hospital in case something goes terribly wrong like last time yes yeah yeah, absolutely and so I had actually met with a midwife beforehand um so my first son was 10 pounds 6 ounces oh so he's a very big baby yes so that's why he was born c-section my second I knew was smaller Mm -hmm. I just I felt it yeah and I knew like okay my body can do this yeah it's been sent for centuries women have been delivering babies yes I can do this yeah so I met with a midwife and she's like yep you shouldn't have any problem you're strong enough. And I was like, perfect. So even though I knew financially I couldn't afford her, yeah. just paying for that one appointment yep. to meet with a midwife. That, to be validated. Yes, to be validated, to then feel empowered, to then take that knowledge. And she's like, here's a good place. And so she had recommended a couple of places for me to go. Okay. Um, that would also like take my insurance, like all of those things as a 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's my birthing budget right (laughs) right to then deliver a baby right um but what's really amazing is that after like I feel as though 
I've had the blessing and the curse of both, mm-hmm. of being able to have um, given bo- birth in both ways, is all of the, like, the complete lack of pelvic floor strength afterwards. Yeah. Like, I remember standing up in the kitchen. It was, like, 36 hours after I gave birth. The second time. The second time. Mm-hmm. My vaginal birth. And I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, I just, like, pee started running down my legs. Oh, my God. Like, all over the kitchen floor. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, yeah. what is happening? No one prepared me for this. Right. Like, why didn't anyone talk there to me There is zero education on your vagina, yes. your system at all, what's going on down there, what your cervix is. Like, I learned that getting a diva cop. I was like, oh, apparently I have a low cervix. No wonder none of these things are fitting in right. Like, yeah. nobody ever, how would I even know that? And you're not even educated to give permission to even look and find out or even understand what that would mean for you. So we'll go back to Pilates, but since we're already talking about vaginas, we might as well just stay on route, right? So you became a Pilates instructor, and at some point you started to wake up to the reality that this needed to serve women in this pelvic floor and then pleasure way. So how did that evolve? So I would say at first... How it first started is that then in working with women and teaching them Pilates, and so Pilates is about core strength, so for maybe for some people who don't know, of connecting people into like where their core is. So it's like abs, back, glutes, inner thighs, right? So our pelvis is the fulcrum of our body, all the muscles that are around there. And so I saw, started to see this disconnect into the low abs that a lot of women were having either difficulty or didn't want to connect in. Mm -hmm. And that the moment that they started to connect in and those muscles started to fire, there would be an interesting response of either tears of like, oh my gosh, I haven't felt this, or a complete pull away of, I don't want to feel this. Mm -hmm. And so that part where I'm like, okay, there's something to this, our muscles carry emotions and carry that trauma, carry scars, Mm -hmm. What is this? Mm-hmm. And so I started Google searching. Yeah. Like where any smart person goes to <laughs> yes. Google, Google. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And so like with any, everything else that I've done in my life where I'm like, okay, what is this? There, there's got to be something out there. Uh-huh. And so from there, then starting to understand like, okay, giving people permission to not connect there, but also giving them permission to emote however they had to emote, mm-hmm. like to sob. So the amount mm-hmm. of breakdowns. I wouldn't say breakdowns, breakthroughs. That's a better way to say yeah. it. That people had doing Pilates. Just accessing their pelvis and their pelvic floor yes. and whatever information yeah. was living dormant in there. And and how a lot of massage therapists will talk about it, and I'm sure for you and your yoga work, that mm-hmm. the moment those areas are tapped into, people start talking about those scars mm-hmm. and those wounds. And so the people started opening up about a traumatic birth, about... Um, all of like the like sexual dysfunction that mm-hmm. they had, um, abuse in their life, yeah. cancer, all of these things. Like their stories started coming out in their yeah. bodies, and it was interesting to watch that the moment they started to release their stories, their muscles started to change. Yeah, and so it was through actually several clients of mine that said, Brenda, you should really look into doing more of this body work. And I'm like, where the hell do I look into? Like, I don't want to be a sex therapist, right? I don't want to be a pelvic floor therapist necessarily. Right. You don't want to go to clinical doctor. No. It's not what you're doing here. Like, what is it? Like, where does this thing exist? Mm-hmm. So several years ago, again, via Google search, <laughs> I found this training in San Francisco, California. Of course. Of course. Yes. And it was called the, it was 
through the uh, Institute of Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. Okay. And the technical term, it's a sexological body worker. Sexological yeah. body worker. Okay. So the study of se- a somatic sexological body worker. Okay. And so I've just used the term somatic sex educator because I'm more than like educating people on here's your organs. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. But teaching things of teaching people how to like self-pleasure or the Mm -hmm. term that some people use is masturbation. Mm -hmm. Like how to find pleasure again. Yeah. How to like bring yourself to orgasm. Mm -hmm. All of the different spots in the body from Mm -hmm. like a clitoral orgasm to a vaginal Mm -hmm. to an anal to all of these different spots. Yeah. Understanding the full pleasure zone. And what was amazing for me is that going through this training when we're all working on each other's bodies, and I felt as though I, I feel as though I'm a rather connected person, mm-hmm. but how much even more so my own star, scars started to come up. Sure. Right, just scars from my births mm-hmm. and having them worked on. So we learned things like scar remediation work and like massage work mm-hmm. and the emotions that would come up and they'd come up like waves. Yeah. And so I would tell my colleagues, like, listen, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, I need to release something here, and I don't even necessarily have, like, a conscious connection to it. It's just there. Right. And so just sobbing on this massage table, mm-hmm. and but having someone else there to hold space, mm-hmm. to just encourage that, like, yep, just release that, let it go, breathe into it. And it was amazing how more embodied I felt in myself, how much more aware I was mm-hmm. of, like, my own pleasure system. Yeah. And how that was so connected into all of the other body work sure. that I do. So interesting. A couple of things that I, that's popping up in my mind. I remember learning from um, hypnobirthing, right, that when you are in birth, um, two things. Number one, you have to make sure that you feel safe and comfortable or the cervix won't open because it's a protective, like all of the, the seat of the soul, right? We call it the psoas, the seat of the soul often it's referred to. And um, so in order to allow the baby to come through, you have to feel comfortable and safe enough. I mean, how often are women birthing and not feeling any of those things? because there's so much disconnect in general. Number two, you have to soften your face in order to soften your cervix. So like like that relationship makes so much sense to me. And then I just think it's fascinating. Um, I mean, the language is the same. It's like the thing that was always missing for me about Pilates personally was that it wasn't, there wasn't an emotional piece, there wasn't a message, there wasn't a spiritual connection. Right. And you've found this way to really marry that in a really beautiful way. Um, I just, Pilates always felt clinical and yoga felt spiritual, right? And you've been able to really find a a beautiful marriage and and serve a a need. I mean, women, I keep talking, I talk today, it's International Women's Day, by the way, right? So I was talking today about, um, you know, the rise of the divine feminine and that there's this rebalancing of energy and power. But if we don't actually face head on this, this sexual power, the creative power, all of these pieces, it's, it, we're going to get stuck at some point, right? Like if you don't heal the whole mind-body system and reclaim some of that, we, we as the divine feminine will get stuck somewhere. So this is such beautiful work that you're offering to the world. And I'm sure it makes people really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. What's interesting is it seems like most things in my life, the pendulum swings in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so when people get like angry where I'm like, man, like that's a lot of their own discomfort mm-hmm. and like shame that they're carrying on to that they're holding on to. That's what's coming up where it's like, you can't use the term pussy. Right. And I'm like, I just did. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And they're like, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm like, that's okay. And so whenever I teach workshops, I always start with, there's some somatic sort of work of connecting into our body, of like tapping in, Mm -hmm. and giving people permission to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Welcome to yoga, yoga man. Yeah. That's what I do all the time. <laughs> to yep. feel challenged, mm-hmm. give them permission to feel sad, to feel angry, and then just to allow those emotions to come out. Yep. And then recognize them and just process through that. Mm-hmm. And giving people permission to feel pleasure, mm-hmm. which I have found to be one of the most fascinating just in conversations with friends. Because if this my, the work that I do happens to come up often mm-hmm. in circles of, Brenda, tell us what you do. Like, right. What, do you do what is it you do? And what is it yeah. you do? I mean, what is even, I, you should probably back up, and I, yes. well, it's somatic. I mean, people don't yes. even know that word. Right. So part of our training that we did as body workers is that we would work with the bodies and allow the body, like say as a colleague, right? So mm-hmm. I'm working on one of my colleagues is bringing the body to pleasure. So vibration heals. Okay. Right. So whether it's vibrations down from brain down mm-hmm. to root, and the sexological body work works from root up. Okay. So we were basically bringing each other to orgasm. Wow. But in a non, in an intimate way, but not, not a sexual, sexual way. way. Not right. Not a sexual way at all. Like we're all dressed as like massage therapists. Mm-hmm. And so then working on each other. But then it was always guided. Mm-hmm. Right? So me, as like the person laying on the table, would be like, all right, I feel more pleasure in this area than I do in this area. Okay, well, what if I like work with this sort of stroke? Like, okay, well, maybe a little more circular. Okay, yeah, like maybe more pressure, mm-hmm. maybe less. And so what was amazing is that how, because none of it was sexual, mm-hmm. it was all just on on offering someone else pleasure Mm -hmm. and I was guiding my colleagues through like what feels pleasurable to my communicating your needs without apology oh my gosh right it was it was such fascinating work Mm -hmm. and it was the it was talk about being vulnerable no shit (laughs) I'm I'm basically sweating just (laughs) thinking about you know (laughs) right so yeah but we had all of this work that we did and one of them like every morning we would have like our circle time where we'd all come together and we would have what it was what was the term that they had used it was um something yoga something it was like basically pleasure time yeah (laughs) we all had like these little like we call it our little nests like Mm -hmm. we would have like our sheet our towels or like whatever we Mm -hmm. had Mm -hmm. for like self-pleasure time okay and it was like keeping soft eyes or like meditation it's like okay i'm going to tap into my body and i'm going to feel pleasure for some people it may be like sexually based touching like their sexual organs for others it may have been journaling that day okay or playing with their tarot cards or yeah so truly anything that brings pleasure anything right and so this like it was like oh it was a two-week almost a three-week intensive so Mm -hmm. every day eight hours a day it was like going to like sex camp yeah to masturbate or not to masturbate today (laughs) to masturbate or journal or hang out with my crystals right okay (laughs) there was always a theme right that we would bring up like okay the theme today I remember everyone really loved the get weird we're gonna get weird with our bodies like what's something weird right like whether it's dancing or Mm -hmm. like a tiger yeah it was like in these moments it was like this feels so right but if someone were to look in and be like what the fuck are all these 100 (laughs) percent yes doing yes like, some are like singing and spinning this is what people imagine is happening in san francisco on a regular basis i'm pretty sure you know california is like okay you know what are those weirdos doing it was just like yeah this is part of our day but mm-hmm. what it was is this it was an amazing energy exchange mm-hmm. and coming home it was i remember sobbing in bed because it was something that then 
we had to challenge ourselves every day for at least half hour day to do something pleasurable, to mm-hmm. set aside pleasure time, whatever mm-hmm. that was. Yeah. So coming home, I remember like laying like on my floor, setting up this sort of space and pleasuring myself. I started sobbing because yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I miss everyone so much. Right. And all that energy. I mean, even if I can, it's why yoga feels better together, right? right? This is why meditation, even in a group, even if it's on the internet and you know, you're all doing it, it changes energetically what you're feeling. Right. right? So it's, I would imagine that was a huge shift huge. from the sex commune. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is how much that tapped me into myself. Mm-hmm. And even though, I mean, that's not the body work I'm currently drawn to doing, like erotic body massage, things like yeah. that. It's more so of connecting, teaching women how to masturbate. Yeah. That's one, how to pleasure themselves. Which, you know, I mean, I'm I, sorry, mom, but like this, you know, uh, that I, it's crazy to me that people don't haven't figured that out, right? Like, I just can't imagine being a, a 40-year-old woman and not knowing how to take care of your own business on occasion, right. you know? Yeah. But the shame is so huge. I mean, right. organized religion has done so much, so much. to so much. shame us. I mean, my... So let me just tell you, I was thinking about this on the way out over, is that my sister's nine years older than I am, and uh, my parents were involved in some pretty crazy churches really before I was along, or at least when I was really small. Mm-hmm. And she... My sister will always speak about how much shame she learned from the church. I didn't have I didn't have the same experience. I was also the third kid. You know, everything's a little loose by kid number three. I also had a way different sense of self coming into the world. But I think about how now at, let's see, how old am I? 38, so she's 47. Like, unraveling some of that shame at this point, it's still so worthwhile, but her story is probably more more common than my story, right? Did you, were you raised in, a, in an environment that was shame-based at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Completely sexually shame-based. Mm-hmm. It, um... Like, sex wasn't talked about. It was talked about in very shameful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was very much a Methodist church woman. Yeah, I was raised Methodist, yeah. yeah. But so. that was the normal church, so. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was very much like women should behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so carrying that where I'm like, okay, like, all right, pleasure, it's not something that should be experienced. Mm-hmm. It is something that should only be shared, like, once you're married, and then, like, you've bonded. And you're still within these confines and rules, and yes. only really these couple number of ways that it should be experienced, right. right? I keep thinking, too, when you say pleasure, that really, it also reminds me of the work of Brene Brown, which is play, right? And that's a lot of what you're talking about. Like, where can you find joy and um, intimacy and excitement and, like, give yourself the gift of something that you truly love to do that makes you feel good ultimately. Right. Cause even pleasure, I think is a word that people are like, okay, can she stop saying the word pleasure? Right. Like makes me uncomfortable. You know, it's like, if we just kept saying moist over and over again, people would get really worried about, I got to turn this podcast (laughs) off. So, um, I think that even just, just that simplicity that we don't even allow ourselves to break through the boxes that you were confined in for, you know, religion and whatever else. And I mean, not to mention all of the hard things that must come up for people like trauma and all of that. Um, have you had specific training to help if that kind of thing comes up in what you do? So what we generally do is then what I call like outsourcing. Mm-hmm. So there's an amazing public floor therapist that I had met through one of my workshops. Okay. That deals specifically with muscular um, function, dysfunction, um, all of those areas. And like then, if your bladder's falling through your vagina kind of thing? Yes, like okay. if your vagina's falling out. Oh, yes, okay, yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like all, all those things, things that, that, that happen. All of those things that yeah. happen that some people need more manual work. Yeah. 
and then also therapists as well. Okay. Um, because what I'm trained to do is connect people into their own bodies mm-hmm. and to then just like feel like, right. what is your body telling you? Mm-hmm. Like our bodies know yep. and our bodies hold it. And yep. what is your body communicating to you? Connecting people to breath, right? Cause breath work is so important. Sure. Um, the education aspect. Mm-hmm. And so, so if it comes up, you outsource to people yes. who can manage that. Yes. Big of an experience. I don't have trauma training. Yeah. I can recognize it. And we've been trained on how to bring people back into their bodies. Yes. If, if they leave it, pump, mm-hmm. if they're leaving their body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how to then handle those situations yeah. when that, when that sort of work comes up. Um, so what does your typical client clientele look like? Mm-hmm. So right now, majority of what I do is teaching workshops. Okay. And from there, people will come to me for private sessions and more so what they're coming for is, well, first backing up. When I write, so I teach, when I teach workshops, I first start with, here's our physical anatomy, here's our pleasure anatomy, here's how they're interconnected, if it's my Pilates Pussy workshop, here's some exercises you can do to strengthen this area, mm-hmm. here's some massage stretches you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I also bring in what, like, pelvic, what's called pelvic floor strengtheners, mm-hmm. educating women on what those are. Mm-hmm. Um, Educating them on whatever maybe their questions may be. So maybe it's like a postpartum group that just got done, you know, six weeks prior having a baby. Yeah. Right. A total disconnect. And so. Side note, don't forget where you're going. My sister lives in Germany and um, she was asking if we have like a postnatal like doula that comes in and rehabs the pelvic floor. Because in Germany, you have like a 10 week session where you go in and you learn how to like reintegrate and strengthen your pelvic floor again. Like, like that does not fucking exist unless you go seek out some special (laughs) pussy Pilates service. It doesn't exist, you know? So anyway, go on. Yeah. And so then because all of that, so circling way back, Mm -hmm. um, educating myself after my vaginal birth Mm -hmm. because I had a complete disconnect. Yeah. I'm like, where do I find this information? Sure. And so then I learned all of these exercises by Google searches Mm -hmm. by going to a library and getting some birthing book I think from Germany or something yeah probably <laughs> right probably right not. the Swedes or the this Germans like, or something yeah it's like okay then so I'm educating myself like all right I it might be only one and then the more I start talking about it I'm like no one else knows no why are doctors educating like no what, what's happening and so a lot of the work that I do is when I then teach women how to connect in mm-hmm. how to feel those muscles mm-hmm. and how it's connected into their pleasure anatomy yeah usually tears start sobs and then them saying oh my god you're giving me so much hope I hated sex with yeah. my partner afterwards yeah. um, it's been three years since I've had a vaginal orgasm I didn't think it would ever be possible mm-hmm. and so just giving them just a little piece of hope of I feel it is possible for yeah. you yeah. and here's some work it's going to take work and it's yeah. going to take time and patience and a lot of love and you're worth it right like I think yes. as women we become the mother and then you give up so many things and that's just one you don't have time to take care of your pelvic floor and your sex life because you're doing all these other things but that simple pleasure can one you'd enjoy sex more with your spouse right and then you'd connect back in that way that would feed the intimacy and then nourish the relationship in all these other ways so it's so it's such a huge piece that you're a gift you're giving these women you know um do you do this mat work is it just on the mat or is it with the reformers or no just mat work okay so you can travel and do this anywhere. Yeah, I've already, I've got light, I've got ideas. Okay. Yeah, so we like sit on balls and we wrap our vaginas around balls and then feel that. But I've actually, 
I've helped a lot of men because mm-hmm. then often men feel shame of talking of their own maybe erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And so when if so it's generally several sessions in, I may mention the pelvic floor mm-hmm. because I'm watching their low abs not fire. Right. I'm not going to bring up their genitals to them. Right. Right. And right. so then I'm like, well, you know, there's these pelvic floor exercises that can help with bladder function, um, erectile function. And then their eyes like kind of perk up Yeah, and they're like, tell me more (laughs) about the bladder thing. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, Mm -hmm. your pelvic floor and I'll explain a little stronger, longer lasting erections. And they're like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. I need this in my life. And I was like, okay, so here's some things that you can do. And like your partner will thank you Yeah, for them. They're like, wow. Like, because so much of their, like, masculinity is centered in, like, their, like, sexual ability. Yeah. And that the thought for a lot of men of losing that mm-hmm. and the shame that's carried in that area. Mm-hmm. Even though men aren't necessarily my, like, the the population I currently feel drawn to helping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so women and, you know, the work there. Yeah. So. So do you feel like... Um that we'll go, let's go back to your life a little bit more. But so Pilates kind of sought you out for this reason of pelvic floor, and then you did, you've done the training, and then we realized we look familiar to each other because of yoga and stuff. So where do you feel you are in like how does this tie into a spiritual practices for you? Where are you in your spiritual life? And then also like I would love I always love to look back at like who were you as a kid? Like could yeah. you see? Um, how you how you landed here? We both joked that she, um, Brenda shared that she was an art teacher, and I was like, "Oh, I was an art ed major for a while, right?" But like teacher, it was always been a theme, right? I have a feeling you were probably the same way yeah. because it was just inherent thing. So whatever feels relevant, I'd love to hear yeah, your thoughts. Absolutely. Well, ever since I was little, I always knew that. I always knew I wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be married, which mm-hmm. was an interesting thing. It's like mm-hmm. this young child where I'm like, no, I want lots of babies. Yeah. Bring them all to me. Yeah. I just, I don't want to be married. I don't want that. Interesting. Right? Uh-huh. I don't want that. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want that. But, you know, as my therapist would all tell me, like, Brenda, I think that was because of what the relationship was modeled to you. I'm like, possibly. Right. Okay. Meaning meaning your parents. <laughs> meaning my parents. Yes. Like, their relationship was very tumultuous. Yes. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, that looks horrible. Um, that right. Looks terrible. Yeah. But teaching was always something that I did. Teaching mm-hmm. and business, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I always had like a little entrepreneurial business from the age of five, mm-hmm. like in kindergarten, selling painted rocks for a quarter nice. on Wednesdays because that was cookie day. Ah. I knew everyone had quarters. Everybody had money for a cookie. So then it was like rock or cookie or both. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> right. So doing, um, but yeah, so teaching was always something that I did. Mm-hmm. And like those sort of like leadership roles or like organizing. Mm-hmm. And um, what were you like in high school? In high school, I was very artsy. Okay. Um, I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. What did you I, play? I played soccer. soccer I was going to guess soccer. Okay. So soccer and volleyball were the things that I played. You know, I was um, like art was something that I did because I loved. Mm-hmm. I was pleasure. Yeah, yeah pleasure. Mm-hmm. I was an honor roll student. Like I was always like an overachiever. Mm-hmm. As Renee Brown talked about the perfectionist. Yes, I can relate to that too. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to be the ultimate achiever, the best at yeah. everything. And then um, I got married young. Mm-hmm. So I was married at age 20. Wow. My husband at the time was a traveling tour musician. How did you go from not ever wanting to be married to then, like, just young love? And you were like, I can't be without this man. I'm going to marry him at 20? Um, so maybe. No. <laughs> I'm really just kidding. No. Yeah. It was, gosh, we met when I was 17. 
We dated off and on for three years. It was a very tumultuous, like dramatic three years. As most and of us then, experienced yeah. in our 17 to 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then it was a I circle back and really think from my like upbringing of, so here's what it is. And this was like one of those, I'm going to dwindle the story down to yeah. this point because he was someone that I had had sex with at age mm. 18 mm-hmm. in college, you know, my first sexual partner, it was like, well, I should marry this person because I was raised to believe like you should only have one sexual partner. Yes. And so carrying that sort of like shame and guilt, even though mm-hmm. I did love and care for this woman. Sure. But you were 18, 19, 20. Like, I mean, I right. sometimes joke that like, thank God most of us didn't end up with who we were with at 18, 19 and 20. You took, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so you made it work for a long while, but yeah. Right. yeah. So we had gotten married. Um, and there was always things just in my body where I'm like, you know what, this just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But then I got pregnant with my first child and me being like the, no, like I can make this work. Yes. I'm going to be a good kid. I'm an yeah, achiever. I'm going to be good. I don't want to face failure of this marriage. Right. right. Yeah. All of those fears of failure, mm-hmm. all of those sort of aspects. And then got pregnant with baby number two. And then and you're I'm in like, deep. Yeah. And then I'm in real deep. And then if I leave, no, that like won't be like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, then like carrying that shame of like being like a mother and like being separated from their father. Yes. How does that appear to other people? Yes. Right. So all of those sort of like shame based mm-hmm. fear based things were really pressing on me. And then when my second son was a year old, I started Pilates teacher training. Okay. And then I also went back to school. So I was like, you know what, going back to school, I'm going to finish up my art degree. Mm -hmm. And partially in my head, I knew like, I need my degree. I need to finish what it is that this work that I, I need something besides just making art and selling it on the road, which is what I was doing. Like, right. But you needed a plan B in case this wasn't ultimately going to be the thing. Right. And my body knew, Mm -hmm. I knew from year one, I need a plan B. Mm hmm. Because this is just what... Is do you think your body knew or do you think your soul, your, whatever you call that, knew? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, I think the I think that the body is just an expression, right, of that soul. So that, that I always think of contraction and expansion, right? You felt some inherent contraction in your body, which was a contract that was your soul trying to be like, mm-hmm. no, you know, this isn't it, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, and so it was a really interesting... 14 years of marriage, almost 15. Mm-hmm. And then you went the long haul. I mean, that's a long, long haul. haul. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, that was like laying on the bathroom, bathroom floor, sobbing and crying and mm-hmm. thinking, why can't I feel my body anymore? Mm-hmm. I feel numb. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. And it was this question when someone had asked me, he's like, well, what do you like? I was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't understand what you're saying. And I started to get angry. And he's like, Brenda, I'm just asking you a simple question. What do you like? Right. And I just yelled, like, I don't know what you're asking me. And I started sobbing. And he's like, oh, I I just only asked you because you never talk about you. And I just wanted to buy you a nice thank you gift. It was a client of mine oh my who gosh. wanted to thank me. Wow. And he's like, and I always... Yeah, chills. And he's like, I, it, it, it's okay. And I was angry at him for asking me. I remember mm-hmm. I got in my car that day after work, slammed the door, and I'm like, who the fuck does he think he is? Like, mm. asking me what I like. And I sobbed because in that moment, I could tell you what my husband liked, what my kids liked, what everyone else around me liked, but I had no idea uh, what I liked. Yeah, I didn't even know. And it was a phrase a friend 
like a mentor friend earlier in my life had said that it was like some line from a book and I should probably Google it (laughs) (laughs) is it was this thing of like, may you discover how you like your eggs. Mm. And it was that line in my head where I'm like, I don't even know how I like my eggs. I like them poached now. Okay. I love poached egg. Yeah. 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 And that's where I started where I'm like, what do I like? Yeah. And so, and this is at what? Like 30, this was at 34. So just a year Yeah. And doing all this like great work and seeming like you have your shit together. And that's like the whole thing, right? right? Yeah. Like, oh, I've got it all going on. Everything is fine, but I don't know what I like. I cry on my bathroom floor and I'm totally disconnected from who I am. I love, I love the reminder that you cannot selectively numb, right? And so in an effort to numb the reality that you needed to get the fuck out, right? That it was over and that it was done and that you, you were not happy and it wasn't the right thing anymore. You had to just numb and shut down everything and you don't even know how you want your eggs anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so relatable, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so 34, you figured this out? Figured it out. Um, a year later, I was like, I can't do this relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's been, gosh, that relationship has been done five, six years. Yeah. And so I started my list, like my bucket list of all the things. And I still have it. And it's like silly things. I mean, it's not silly. It's huge things. Like yeah. things I wanted to do. And it was like a list of like, I wanted to do like an aerial yoga class. Like mm-hmm. To me, it felt like something like you can't do that because it's fun. Yeah. Like you can't do that. Like you have to work. Yep. You have to be a mom. Yep. You have to take care of the household. You can't follow all these whims and you wishes like, and how yeah, irresponsible. Like where I'm like, oh, I want to take a painting class. I mm-hmm. never, like I miss my artistic self. Mm-hmm. And so I started this list of all of the things. Yeah. And from there, started to connect to my body sexually again, like my own body. Mm-hmm. Like no longer the sort of like ownership that my spouse had over it. Yeah. Because there was all sorts of dysfunction in that sexual relationship of, that I couldn't experience pleasure on my own, mm-hmm. that he somehow owned it. Yep. Or there's some jealousy or other oh, weird shit going on there. Yeah, Absolutely. All of that. And then, so it was taking ownership over my own sexual body again mm-hmm. and feeling what felt pleasurable to me. Mm-hmm. And it's been a fascinating five, six year journey. And so looking at myself now, like where I am and looking at myself of who I was when I was 16, where I'm like, gosh, I feel more like my 16-year-old self. Yeah. Like, things that I felt and knew and felt empowered, mm-hmm. but I put aside to be, like, the good girl, to be the good mom, to yeah. be the... To keep everybody else happy. Yeah. To be the good wife, mm-hmm. because my life no longer mattered and existed. It was mm-hmm. just all about my partner and my children. Yeah. And so... And you started that young. I mean, that was 20. Like, most of us were still really... We were effing things up in a different way at that point, you know? I mean, I always joke to my students in their 20s, like, listen, I feel you. Keep keep going. Keep swimming because this sucks. It all sucks. You don't know who you are, what you want, what you need. But take the time to just be in the mess of 20s. You were living in the mess of 20s as a young mother in a marriage you already knew at that very early age wasn't the right one, but you felt stuck. Like, that's, yeah. you know, but that's a powerful journey, too. Like, look where it's gotten you now at 40, right? right. Right, where, I mean, there's so much that I've learned about myself, Mm -hmm. and what's really been amazing is watching my children watch me grow, Mm -hmm. and for them to even say, like, my oldest, who's now 18, say, like, Mom, it's, like, so cool how you're always learning. Mm. Like, you're always doing things, and... You know, how, and he would even say, like, how you've grown from since you've been with dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, like, here's a new circle of friends. Because with the end of that relationship was the ending of majority of my social life. Well, right. I mean, oh. if you don't even know what you like, you certainly don't even have friends that you chose. You had his friends, likely, and his right. people and his circles and right. his bandmates and all so of whatever it was. It was. Like, 
in the sense like I cut off everything. Wow. And then was like, all right, like let's start over. Like yeah. let's like feel what it feels to feel again. We call that begin again. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it was that whole beginning again and knowing that where I am now, there's no way in that relationship I could be who I am now. Mm-hmm. And no fault to him. I no. mean, he was living his own journey. And it just wasn't like our paths just weren't matched anymore. Anymore. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. At that point, I mean, the, it served a purpose. We have two amazing kids. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot about myself mm-hmm. during that relationship, but more so now of like, wow, like it, this is like fascinating. But what's really interesting is even when I was in that relationship, I would refer to him as the husband of my youth. Mm. And he was like, why do you say that? I'm like, I don't even know why I say that. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, he's like the husband of my youth. And so I'm like, oh, and so now like remembering those things, like things that I would say. They didn't even realize you were, they were like coming out of your subconscious. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Wow. Exactly. All of those things that Mm -hmm. it was just like, oh gosh, it's very telling. Yeah. Very telling. Yeah. Very telling. And so being now like in this place, like feeling so embodied in myself Mm -hmm. and so, um, excited for like new growth and new change Mm -hmm. and like this year I'm pursuing you were talking about postpartum yeah be a postpartum doula awesome so I start training in May for that Mm -hmm. and when people ask me they're like well why and I'm like you know what part of I don't even necessarily know why I do some things Mm -hmm. that I do I'm like I always envisioned being a midwife Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily see it like now in this moment, but I'm like, I'm so passionate about like pelvic work Yeah, from my Pilates. It's an teacher. obvious next. My friend, um, I had, I hadn't seen this friend in like 10 years and we had, um, breakfast a, a couple of weeks ago. And she said, you know, she now looks at her life sometimes as just the next shiny ball. Like she just chases the, the glowing ball and often that it's not that, that actual glowing ball, but it's what that thing leads to. Yeah. Right. And so I just love that analogy. Cause I think that's so often we get sometimes so fixated on why we're doing what we're doing or right. that we have to have the thing we're having. But sometimes that thing just leads you enough down the path that you can then see the next glowing ball. I mean, to me just, you know, I think that this service, this postpartum service of, of offering all kinds of opportunities for women to to regain that control so early in that first year, like how many lives that would change, how many marriages that might save, like all of those pieces. Um, I think that's such a beautiful thing. It makes perfect sense to me why you would do that. Like, yeah, yeah. like it will it will for sure be the next <laughs> right thing, the you know, thing. the next the right thing. thing down the line. It's. It's so also, sorry to talk a lot now for a second, but I was thinking about what you're saying about I'm more like my 16-year-old self, and that my intention with this podcast is really that people can start to go, okay, what, who am I? What is my purpose? Like, why the hell am I here? I truly believe that every soul has work and a plan and things to do here, and you get creative expression with that, but like, you are here for some purpose, gift, skill set, right? But people are so discontented and so disconnected that they can't even find that. Like you say, find your soul's purpose and they're so stuck in their nine to five and their limited viewpoint or who their parents told them they should be or they think the world is telling them they should be that they can't even answer questions like, what do I like? Like, I think that's probably really fucking common, unfortunately. And I always say like, go back, like, what did you love to do as a kid? What you know, who were you, you know, who did you imagine you were going to be when you were a grown up? And even if it's like, I wanted to be a doctor and now you're like, no way. Right. But doctor is a, is a service to people. It's taking 
care. It's fixing problems. Like you can look at it from a different standpoint and go, okay, but what did that say? What qualities or characteristics live within that? Um, I think we should all be more like our 16 year old selves, you know? Um, yeah, we have a lot more responsibilities probably, you know? I mean, again, back to the 20 year olds, I'll be like, go enjoy walking around target by yourself, drinking your latte. Like you have no idea how much you're going to miss that once you have a kid, you know, just stupid shit, but like pleasure, right? Like, what do you do? You know, I love friendship bracelets and beading. And so I've gotten back to like, I have like, you know, thousands of dollars worth of beads that I carry, you know, that I have in my house. So just remembering who you are is really the key. And I think that for many people, it's those, those little breadcrumbs from their, from their history before 18 that you can go before the world got its hands on you and put so much pressure on you to be a certain way. Anyway. That's my two cents about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's where, like, my degree in art, art is really what saved me and brought me back to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's when I explain to people what I do, and I'm like, I teach people the art of movement. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize patterns. Um, I may not be, like, with muscle insertions and origins where I'm, like, Googling, like, what muscle? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's that one. Yeah, it's an an intuitive thing for you. Where I'm like, no, it's this one and this one, and Mm -hmm. this is how it's all connected. Yeah. Right? So recognizing patterns, and so it's become this art form. Mm -hmm. But then thinking back where I'm like, yeah, I did art to feel good. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't do it to create a piece to hang in the gallery. I mean, those things were really cool in college. Sure. It was fun, and I liked that, but I'm like, no, I did it for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this work that I'm doing, I'm doing for me, like I'm doing it to help others, but it's all through my journey of Mm self-healing that I at times forget the power of sharing my own journey and how that can be so healing for others. Mm -hmm. And then when I share, when I share my workshops, my own journey of self-healing, my own journey of like from what some people may say, like the embarrassing things of mm-hmm. that happen after birth of like queefing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, it does. And I'm like, it does. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Right. And so it's through my own story. And they're like, oh, vulnerability though. It's yes. your willingness to just show up and be a truth teller and be unapologetic about your experiences. Yeah. And we free others. You're freeing all of these women to, to, you know, sit in slumber party circles, essentially. Right. And like, just let it all free, you know, about it and that learning from each other. And so like, I have a pleasure workshop coming up Mm -hmm. when people have asked me like, and I'm like, I can give you the format, but once the energy of the people are here, that's when it will all happen. Yeah. And I said, we'll learn more from our own, but sharing our own stories mm-hmm. from a, first me creating a safe space for mm-hmm. that. And then it's like, all right, like let's, here's, I'm going to start the topic mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's questions, here's some like tools, here's like my handouts. Cause all of us, we still let something to come away with. Yes. <laughs> yes. And all the type A's want to know exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. And especially around something that sounds scary. Like, are we going to yes. be group masturbating? Or am I going to be embarrassed about this? <laughs> like, you know, they want to know and they can't send you. And I, I, I was always the teacher trainer that would, or the, even the yoga teacher now who's like, we just follow the, the, the energy of the group and we're just going to, I don't know where it's going to go. Like, I know I got this idea. Here's the things that we for sure are going to cover, but I'm sure when you start freaking people out, they're like, I kind of want to do this thing, but you got to tell me what I'm in for. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because what's interesting is that I'm a very type A person, mm-hmm. but most people read me as the opposite, but I'm like, no, I'm really like both, but yeah. I'm super type A. Yeah. And so when I teach, like I have this skeleton, like here's our syllabus, like yeah. here's our rubric. Yeah. And all of those spaces in between will be filled with 
who's here. Yeah. And then we can scratch it, this part, we can add in this part, mm-hmm. but then we'll see. But here's kind of what it is, because mm-hmm. that's for the most part, people reach out and like, tell me about it, what is it? And so then like, I'll let them know. And I'm like, what is it that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. Like, what are your questions? What are you worried about? Yes, mm-hmm. like all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then they realize like, oh, this would be really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is really it good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I always describe myself as a type B plus because um, I attract type A's because I love alignment and details and orient. But if you saw my house, if you, the way my brain works is very like type B, like all over the place. But I have those type A, I think it's just like the leftover perfectionist bullshit stuff yeah. that just kind of keeps me in that stuff. But um, it's so funny. I go the other way. I'd call you an A minus then since yeah. you have that fluid thing. I'm more yeah. like, I'm more like a B leaning A on a time being um, yeah, moment by so moment like basis. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. All right. Let's think what else I had another question for you. Um, from the perspective of your own spiritual practices, you talk about pleasure. Do you equate, I mean, for me from listening to you, I feel like pleasure and spirituality are like the same thing, right? So, cause it allows you to feel alive and present in those moments, but what are your practices now for self care beyond obviously Pilates and things of that nature, but what do you do to take care of your spiritual being? Yeah. So And this even circles back to my younger self. Uh, I spent a lot of times outdoors. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was little, it was always a healing place. Yeah. And a healing place, like, to feel, like, the sun on my skin and, like, the wind. And I grew up in the country. And so being outdoors was just essential. Mm -hmm. A lot of time alone in my solo space to, like, think and feel. And those are still things that I currently do Mm -hmm. of... Like when I come home, like after like a teaching day, like the things that I do to like ground myself of like breathing and I do this like thing of like, if it's in my head or in my heart and I'll just take and kind of pull and like throw it like, all right, we have this, let's let that go. Let's just emote however I need to emote. Mm -hmm. I just need to process my day by myself Mm -hmm. and like have my emotions. And that's what I'll generally tell my boys. Like, I just need to emote for a little bit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so... Like to release those sort of things, like to ground, like physical movement is healing. It's always been sure. Um, and poetry, poetry is something that brings me back to myself, especially if reading it or writing it. Both. Okay. Both, which is which is fascinating, um, because it was a recent discovery of my writing, and that. So it's reading that. There may be times that I'm having difficulty putting words into what it is I'm feeling. Um, I actually really struggle with words. Interesting. I could draw someone a picture or Mm -hmm. explain with emotion or a color how I'm feeling, but words, it's like, uh, like they get stuck. Interesting. And so poetry is something where it helps to put words to feelings where I'm Mm -hmm. like, yes, that's what it was. That's, that's what I was feeling. Or if I know that I'm feeling like sometimes I have a tendency when I'm giving a lot that it starts to feel like little numb spaces in my body mm. where I'm like, okay, like I have to feel, but I'm not too sure how to do that. And so I'll purposely seek out poetry to cause me to feel like I just need a really good cry, right? Yeah. Now. I just need to like, let this out. Yep. I just need to like, oof, yep. like, feel into it. And it's like, yeah, like that was good. Yeah. And it helps to fill those spaces that I can't put language to, mm-hmm. um, and then writing that there are times they like journaling or writing mm-hmm. that I realize like, Oh, this whole time when I'm just writing out like certain words uh-huh. or like a sentence, 
like in in odd sort of ways where I'm like, oh, I've been writing poetry and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Like, isn't that interesting? Where I'm like, oh, like I never took a poetry class. You don't, yeah. Writing, right? No. I was like, I didn't take a class. Right, no, I was going to say, there goes your type. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, like, your type A is showing. Like, right, exactly. Well, it gives me permission to write poetry. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, gosh, that's really, that's fascinating that in my writing mm-hmm. it would come up. And it's something that um, that I've saved just for me. I've shared with like a few people. Yeah. But that's like one of those super vulnerable things. Uh, like I yeah. can talk to you all about my genitals and my yeah. sex life. I can show them to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like give right. you tutorials, but like poetry, like no, no, that's way too vulnerable. Yeah. And so that's what's really interesting is. I bet you'll grow into sharing that. <laughs> Well, Baby steps. I mean, you're only five years into really unraveling this. Like masturbate in front of a group of people oh my God. standing up and reading poetry. I'd be like, oh. Isn't that so funny? Oh. How do you think you became so comfortable with your body? Like, what do you think you've always been comfortable with your body, being an athlete and being in... Because I just think lots of people aren't, you know? Like, nudity was never a big thing for me, which is interesting because growing up, it wasn't necessarily allowed. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it was probably being an athlete, like mm-hmm. locker room, yeah. showering. It was just part of, you know, 5 a.m. practice. We yeah. had to shower. Like, it wasn't a big deal. It was just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Bodies are bodies, and mm-hmm. it's skin, tissue, and bone. Right. Like, we all have different ones. And so... Mm-hmm. Like being nude isn't anything. It's like the external is safe to show to the world, but the deeply internal might not be so safe. Well, I think type A and perfectionism, right? Brene Brown, it's the, what does she call it? Like the hundred ton armor, right? That we wear, like we carry around to protect ourselves from the world. So you don't see masturbation as vulnerable, but you see poetry as vulnerable. So that's where your armor goes up, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And because physical movement is what I do, and Mm -hmm. I feel at times that it's like like my physical body is on display for my clients right, right. like they're watching me move they're seeing me they're analyzing yeah. and so it's not it doesn't feel vulnerable yeah. in the same like exactly yeah. what you were saying yeah but those like deep things of like i don't know is someone going to judge the words i say yeah well for sure they will but you should do it anyway <laughs> yeah, right? like of course yes oh someone's going to hate it i don't know like yeah like and so that's, it's this really interesting part of me where it's like, Ooh, like sharing my artwork. And so yeah. now people will ask me about it and I'm like, Oh, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I can show you some of my artwork from like wherever, like yeah. that's fine. But like, they're like, well, what are you currently working on? Like hmm. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. All right. Give me 10 years and I'll show you what I made 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's so fascinating. Okay. So I was thinking permission, right? And this is what a, so much of what you're doing is, is this is permission, right? So permission to write poetry because you had to have the class, right? And people need, you're really teaching people permission with their bodies. You can work on your own permission with your poetry and your own right. time. But, um, again, back, I don't know why I keep coming back to Brene probably because I love her work, but, um, the permission to, um, permission slips, you know, to also be excited or to be vulnerable or to be scared or to, you know, not know what the hell you're doing at a, at a pleasure workshop, but you found yourself there, right? Like all of that, like I'm, I am okay with being freaked out, but I'm going to do this thing anyway. I'm going to share this thing. Um, did you always know that you are an empath because you are obviously, I mean, you're guarded perhaps, but so am I, I think a lot of us are boundaried because we had to be in our environments. You know, I, yes. And it was something that even as a child, because I was always labeled as like the sensitive one, Mm -hmm. 
and like, oh, Brenda, she's sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then getting in trouble for being sensitive. Right. It's not okay to show that sort of vulnerability. But um, yeah, so I always knew that I was very aware of other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's what made, that's what caused me to actually be in a lot of leadership positions or to be like the head of the soccer team yeah. and all of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, Brenda, like she gets people and she can like direct and she can understand like if so-and-so is having a bad day and so-and-so is having a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always something that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing like work in my earlier years, like with children, I did like children's events and programming yeah. and things like that. We have so much in common. It's sort yeah. of funny. And yeah. So, like working with kids and working with kids, like you have to be an empath. Yes. Cause like Johnny's pitching a fit cause he wants red and Susie's being really selfish right Yeah. Here. Yeah. But how do you make everyone happy? Yes. And hold the space for all right. these feelings. Yeah. It's yes. like so many feelings and so many emotions and, um, helping others to understand their own, which was interesting because I didn't understand my own. Sure. Like I'm still like at infantile stage where I'm like, my name is Brenda and I am feeling happy. <laughs> happy feels yellow. Right. right. <laughs> like there's moments for myself, like when I'm driving in my car, if I'm feeling disconnected, like that's something I do. Like, what am I feeling? Okay. My name is Brenda. This is what I'm doing. I always have yeah. to start with my name. I, yeah. Like a AA meeting. It's yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah. With myself. <laughs> yeah. My A minus meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and like going through like, this is what I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? What mm-hmm. causes this? Okay. I'm feeling insecure. Okay. Let's talk Brenda about insecurity. Like I'm therapizing. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling insecure because I didn't know this thing. Okay, well, why does it matter that... Okay, because then I feel like I'm not very smart. And right. I want people to see me as smart. Well, why does it matter that... Right, and on and on, yeah. And then it helps me be like, oh, like, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay if this person doesn't think I'm smart. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not know something. You're peeling away to the faulty belief system, right? right? I, I agree. I mean, it, for me, into my 30s, for me, it was always body image issues that were really the numbing agent that I chose. Um, a lot of type A's choose things like athletics or other ways to obsess. For me, that was the thing I focused on the most, whether it was eating or not eating and my weight and all of that. And then at some point, I was like, I'm so fucking over this. And also, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know? And just realizing that not only was I an empath and I could feel everybody else's shit, which also also sometimes made me want to eat my feelings or um, not eat anything to control the situation, right? But then it was like, oh, I am reacting because I'm having a feeling. What is that feeling I'm having? And I still, it's still a lot of work. I just like you that I have to go, okay, why am I being moody or an asshole or pitching a fit or whatever I'm feeling? Why, what's going on here? What is this triggering for me? And it's such hard... I think it's such hard work for those of us who have learned to be boundaried and guarded in a lot of ways, because also we probably feel the world. I felt the world my whole life. I would cry as a little kid and my mom would say, why are you crying? And I'd say, I can just feel the sadness of the world, you know? And, and so, and I think I still feel that. So I've just let me like, you know, where's my safe box here so I can just shut out your sadness. Um, but being a teacher and Pilates and all of that, managing all of those energies and feelings and Yoga, I mean, it's all the same stuff. So how do you teach your kids um, about sexuality? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always been super open with my boys, Mm -hmm. super open about sexuality and like their their sexual selves. And so what's interesting is so from the movie Meet the Fockers. Yeah, I love that movie. Yes, yes. So years ago when it came out, people were like, oh my God, Brenda, that is so you. I'm like, she is my spirit. Oh my gosh. And so that's in so many ways how I've raised my boys that mm-hmm. like nudity wasn't a big deal. I mean, even now at them as teenagers, they're different. Sure. Like they don't want to open up as much, but when they were younger, any questions they had, like I would answer until they, 
their questions were satisfied. Like, well, mom, like, what is sex? And then mm-hmm. I would explain from like more of like a scientific thing. Yeah. Not like when one person loves another, mm-hmm. like, no, like, mm-hmm. and it feels good. Right. And it's okay for it to feel good. And here's issues of like boundaries and consent. Yeah. And like your bodies and other people's bodies. Yeah. And what's interesting then is topics, especially of other friends will come over and that what was it my youngest had said he's like well mom he came upstairs he was 14 at the time mm-hmm. and he's like well mom how come that prostitution is illegal but pornography isn't mm-hmm. I'm like, that is a fascinating question mm-hmm. let's talk about it and so yes. we started to dissect right and he's like well if things are consensual and if this yeah and so sitting amongst a group of my friends they're like i've never been a part of a conversation like that and i'm like right. well this is how questions are answered I said nothing is shamed in my household yeah and so it's interesting because them even when they were younger like elementary school because then talking to them about their own bodies yeah and him coming home from a friend's house and he's like mom I felt really uncomfortable like it was immediate I was like all right let's talk about uncomfortable yeah is it this is where I felt it mom Mm -hmm. and I said well what what caused you to feel uncomfortable well so-and-so was watching something and I was like okay well what were they watching right and it this long story of like pornography and I was like oh that was probably pornography and I'm like how did it make you feel he's like really uncomfortable because I just wanted to play Nerf gun right but like he didn't and I don't want to go over there anymore and I was like okay so what did you say to your friend Mm -hmm. right so giving him words to then handle that situation on his own of like I would prefer to not see imagery like that, right? Without yeah. shaming pornography, but right. what is it? Oh my gosh, we've been, I've been like needy because we have, I have a six year old. So um, earlier this year, she got in trouble for kissing her, um, her and her little BFF, who's a boy, kissed on the playground. And they were told you weren't allowed to kiss anybody but your family and all of this. And we're like, okay, how do we unravel and unpack that we understand that there's, you're amorous and that you hit your feelings of affection and you feel close. And quite frankly, if you kissed your little girlfriend, nobody would have said a word about it, which is this whole complicated thing anyway. Um, Like, how do we handle this without then creating shame around kissing or having affection or wanting to do that because I don't want to fuck that up right. but also I don't want my kid to be the one who's promiscuously kissing everyone at school and getting in trouble all the time right, right? so it's like how do you navigate that and then you know fast forward six months later and there's a let's pull down pants in the basement conversation where she didn't really want to partake in that but like that's also super normal for little kids to want to do right, right. I remember happening when I was a little kid with my cousins yes. you know so like how help us yes. help us <laughs> tell us what to do oh, yeah. how do you do it without shaming so I have two children who are two very different beings right so one who is like very like much an empath yeah and like everything is like emotional yes that's my kid and then my other who is very scientific Mm -hmm. like sex is like well yeah like this is what's happening this is what's happening Mm -hmm. and it has you know like it's consensual and it's this and it happens when you really want to spend time with someone Mm -hmm. and so also letting them know like you need to take someone else's feelings into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the motivation? And mm-hmm. having consensual conversations around that. Yeah. Right? Instead of the whole, like, young teenage girls feeling as though then they have to do certain things to, like, pleasure the boys. Yes. And get the attention. Get and the attention yeah. Or boys won't like that. Yes. And, like, so they have to do these certain things. And then if they don't then they're not going to have a prom day and then he's going to take someone else to prom. I mean, in kindergarten, it's letting the boy punch you on the playground. And this yeah. is like, this just happened yesterday with the little girls in the backseat talking about this. And my wife is like losing her ever loving mind in the seat next to me about this. And I'm like, 
both don't want to make it a big deal because I can feel how uncomfortable this is not our child. One of our one was our child and the other wasn't at the backseat. I'm like kind of not our job right now. And I, you know, we aren't close enough necessarily to handle that situation. But also like all of that anger creates a message too. And I'm like, oh my God, well, how do we handle like, you know, this? And other than saying no, right? You need to say no and stop. And these things, if it's bothering you, then you need to say no and draw a line. Um, when it was the pulling the pants thing down, we're like, listen, never, you know, your body is private. That being said, it's never, you know, when you, with friends, like, it's so, like, how do you draw these lines? Then, like, well, but with your best friend who's a girl, it's totally fine. But with your other best friend who's a boy, it's not it, fine. What's interesting is that then when I would ask the question, and when I think, because I'm comparing it to a group of, like, women at my workshop yeah. of, like, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Right? When asking my son about, about the pornography, and he had to really think, and he's like, I felt uncomfortable, and I didn't really want to see those images. And I okay. said, okay, so what did you say? Yeah. Well, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Right, empath. And yeah. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so what did you do? And he's like, well, I just went outside then, and I played by myself. Mm. And I was like, Okay. And he's like, I don't really want to go over there anymore. And I said, well, do you still want to be friends with him? Well, yes, but I just don't want to go to his house. And I was like, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So then we're setting up a boundary. Yeah. What's your boundary? Okay, I still want to be friends with him. I want to play with him at school. I want him to come over, but I don't want to go to his house. Yeah. Okay. Totally good. We can do that. Like, we can do that. Yeah. And so it was empowering him with words, with his own words. Yeah. And seeking out his own feelings instead of putting my feelings on it. Because I had feelings about it. Yeah, right. that's the hard part, right? <laughs> right? Like, like what? Feelings. Right. My friend was texting me back, whose who's, who's other child was in this, and she was like, how do we not fuck them up with our own baggage? You know, that's right. like the name of parenting, not right. fucking them up with your own baggage around shame and consent, but also educating them in this world that, like, you have to have permission, and you also have permission to say no and, and to say stop and to seek help from uh, an yeah. adult, and that, you know, that you nothing is a secret like this. Everything's okay. You're never going to be in trouble talking about this stuff. Like, let's talk about it. You know, she made it clear right off the bat that she was uncomfortable and that she said she didn't want to play, right? So I already knew how she handled it. But like just having these conversations at such a young age, at six, it's formative. And it's like, we just keep, you know, you know, texting back and forth. Like, how do we do this without then also going too far down the other way? Like we were all raised, right? right? To be ashamed and that everything that that sex and nudity and all of that is bad, right? But then they're also over-sexualized, you know, in some ways, but not in a proper way. Like, and I think bringing, at least for me, because I can only speak, I have two children, so yeah. I can only speak from that experience, is that to normalize the conversation, mm-hmm. that it's just a normal conversation, Yeah, that talking about our bodies and how we feel about our bodies and sex, and they would come home in like fifth, sixth grade when they were doing like the sex talk at yeah. school with their diagrams, they had questions like, mom, <laughs> the vagina looked all like weird I was like describe weird and it's like there were all these layers (laughs) and then it was kind of like this and I'm like oh buddy that's what a vagina looks like and he's like oh Oh. and when I asked him I'm like well do you want to see pictures of other vaginas he's like no Mm -mm. (laughs) so I was offering like all right let's go like Mm -hmm. we'll like look at different vulvas yeah we'll look at different and then he's like Nope, not ready yet. Alice is like, this is why I hate dinner conversations. This is why I hate dinner conversations. <laughs> about vulvas at dinner. I just want to eat my chicken. I don't know what it was we're having. And I'm like, And that okay. associated with the vulva, right? Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think just continuing to have conversations and to ask questions. And their questions are, 
are different now. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to have my 18 year old now reflect back and that, because I asked him, I said, well, um, something came up about sex. It was people like kids at school. Mm -hmm. And and I said, well, is that something that, you know, is there, are you asking me because it's like, you're asking for permission? Mm -hmm. Are you needing help? Like, Mm -hmm. and he's like, well, no mom, I'm just not ready yet. And I was like, that's great, buddy. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you feel about that? And Mm -hmm. he's like, I want it to be like for him without me putting these words in his mouth. Mm -hmm. He's like, I want it to be someone I really care about. And I was like, that's beautiful. Right. And he's like, and I want them to care about me. And I'm like, that's awesome. Right. And I'm like, and have those conversations. And he's like, and I'm attracted to people like girls, not just because they have like, and he did air quotes, a fat ass. He's like, (laughs) it's like who they are as a person. And like, I want to get to know them. Were you certain you won parenting that day? Because I'm pretty sure. Right. And all the ways that I've told them, like, that's okay, I'll pay for your therapy later. Yeah. Yeah. But, like my OCD cleanness. Yeah. Like, no, like, this is how you have to put your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And that they'll be like, oh, God, mom. Yeah. I was like, I'll pay for your therapy later. But in that one, I was like, oh, my God. If I did one thing right in the world, it's that one thing of yeah. continuing to talk about consent yeah. and their bodies and other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. And the feelings and emotions that go along with that, yep. with sharing of our bodies yeah. with another person and like not shying away from that mm-hmm. because in talking about those like energetic connections we yeah. can have with other people. I think people are going to want to hire you to come in and talk to their children. <laughs> but then also <laughs> encouraging and like cute sort of ways where then they don't feel uncomfortable, like self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like when I was going through my course book, I had all of these erotic massage books, and I was like, hey, boys, you want to look at the book? They're like, no, mom, why are you making things weird? But I'm oh like, God. no, this is healthy. Mm-hmm. It's healthy to have a self-practice. And they're like, stop, mom, stop. And I'm like, okay, stop now. I was like, but if you want to talk about anything, here's a couple of resources of friends you can yeah. call. Or here's where I'm putting the book, so if you want to go peek when I'm not home, have yes, at it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. Here they, here they I left them on the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. My wife would die at all of this. She would just die. I love it. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Is there anything that you feel like you need to share at this point? I definitely would love for, to hear like what your next workshops are. We'll put them up with your, with your podcast host. Um, I think we need to get you into the Royal Oak citizen yoga studio for a workshop and, um, right. that would be amazing. And I will be there or, um, pretend to co-teach, but say nothing so that people will come and check it out. <laughs> Um, so we'll do whatever we need to do for that. Um, and, uh, I've, this has been awesome. I'm so grateful to have met you and chatted with you and thank you for your openness and vulnerability and all of it. And, um, to be continued. Well, when you get to your next journey, you can come on and talk about that too. All right, perfect. Thank awesome. You. Thank you.